It's always good to get to come home. Back in March 2020, when I got sick, one of the things that had been discussed before I got sick was homecoming. As I came out of a coma and started coming back around, one of the thoughts did, did I miss homecoming? Come to find out, I didn't miss it. And here I am. I want to thank everyone. Uh, even though I'm not located in this spot, this will always be home. Uh, one of the things I carry with me is the representation of this church. One of the things that my granddaddy, my pop, Orville Rankin, told me, once he knew I surrendered to the ministry, he said, was sitting on the front porch, and he said, I want to tell you something. So there's a preacher, he gets up off the pew, and he goes up the pulpit. He'd been introduced, and lit big, long laundry list of his accomplishments and his education. Pastor walked up there with his chest poked out, opened up his Bible. When he did, he started crying, walked out the door. Man stopped him at the back door and said, son, if you had walked in the pulpit, the way you walked out, God could have used you. That's something I always try to remember when I walk into a pulpit. I thank y'all for the compliments y'all have given me, but it's not about me. It's about God. I want to open us one more time in prayer before we get started. Father, I just ask that right now no one would see or hear me. Father, may this not be anything of me. May it be all of you. Father, I pray for every heart and soul that is here right now. That that soul belongs to you. And Lord, if there is a soul here that doesn't, may today be the day of salvation. Father, I pray for the hearts that are here, Lord. If they're struggling, if they're hurt, if there's something that isn't right, May they lay those burdens down at your feet and surrender those to you. May we be sensitive to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Right after I graduated from William Carey, I was given an opportunity to serve at a church in Madison. It was a very large church. They had all the bells and whistles. They had the large congregation. They had everything you thought that a church should have. You look at that and you go, man, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of all that stuff they have. Well, after serving there just a short period of time, I realized it was more about a show than about a heart. We wasn't always on the same page as I was there on staff. And I came in one day and I said, we got different views. God's called me to reach souls not play games. It's not about the show for me, and I resigned. They told me, you ain't got to stay around and give you two-week notice. We'll just go ahead, give you a check now, and you can go. I said, I appreciate that, and I left. And there were a few things said to me as I was leaving. It bothered my heart. That happened like midweek. That Saturday night, my wife, Jennifer, she worked the night shifts at the hospital, and she had worked that night, and I knew that Saturday night when I got up, I was going to come to church here. That morning, I pulled in the parking lot, had no employment, 
Had no way, just got married just a few months. No way, we had a house, no way to pay the bills. Didn't know what I was going to do. But I knew God didn't want me at that church that I was at. So I walked through those doors, and Brother Hap, he taught Sunday school in this sanctuary, in this section here. Everybody come in to Sunday school, you sit in this section. Well, I sat in the very back back there as he was teaching Sunday school, and he finished, and we had to wait on the old people to come out. You know, you had your old lady class, your old man class. And then there was a few kids for a class, but you know how those old ladies are when they get to talking. <laughs> Bless their hearts. And I sat in that very back, and in one of the passage, Brother Halp was teaching on that morning. It was there in First Peter, and I, I was looking at it, and I flipped over another chapter and got to reading. And as I read there in that story, he talked about the cornerstone. And that's something we're going to look at this morning. But he talked about how that cornerstone was rejected. That cornerstone was Jesus. That cornerstone is Jesus. And Jesus was rejected. That's the son of God. That was the man that came and did miracles. That was the man that fed thousands. That was the man that was here to save the world. Lord told me, he said, if I'm rejected, you're going to get rejected. I said, okay, I get it. And I put a nail at different areas, milestones in my life. And part of my ministry that I have today started from that nail that happened in that back pew. I knew the Lord was fixing to build something off of me. I need you to use your imagination with me this morning. Some of you, that's not very hard for you. Some of you, maybe so. I know this isn't a rock, but I need you to pretend with me. Pretend this is a rock, but this is the cornerstone. And when you place a cornerstone to build a house or a building, the cornerstone is the first stone that's laid. And that cornerstone sets the straight line to build the wall. See, Jesus is the cornerstone. And he sets the line for our life in the direction you and I are to go. This week, the Lord told me to go outside my office there at the church, and I went and gathered these rocks. Nothing special about them. It was out in the driveway. I didn't know that until this morning what I was supposed to do with them, but the Lord laid them off. And I'm going to show you these rocks. These rock, this rock is kind of big. It's heavy. It's got some dimples in it, but there's nothing special about it. You can tell time is worn on it and weathered. Maybe even some breaks. Man may have took something and broke on it. Car may have drove over it. But there it is. Is that you? This rock, it's round, but it's got some cracks in it. It's got some issues with it, but it's still a rock. It's still hard. Is that you? This rock, real smooth, real slick. It's got a few little issues, but not a lot. Is that you? 
This rock is pointed and it's sharp and jagged. It's got some cracks. It's even got some color difference. It's got some bruises, some marks of issues that's happened. Is that you? Now, this rock, it's got some holes in it. I showed it to Tim this morning. He said, up there in Oxford, that might be some bullet holes. Some of them may have some bullet holes up in you. It's got some cracks, too. Several. Several problems in this rock. Is that you? This rock, not as big as that first rock, looks like it. It's got mold, mildew on it. It's got cracks, it's got dimples, it's got a lot of sharp edges, a lot of things kind of wrong with that rock. Is that you? This rock got cracks, got some areas in it. It's wopsided, skinny on one side and fat on the other. Is that you? you say, Wes, what does that got to do with anything? You see, all these problems and issues that are wrong with each one of those rocks are excuses. Excuses why you and I can't connect to the cornerstone. Excuses why we say God can't use us. Excuses, habits. Issues that we don't forgive We let our past dictate our future. These areas are things we allow us not to be used by the cornerstone. You see, when a house is built, that cornerstone is laid, but there has to be more rocks connected to the cornerstone as the wall is built up from corner to corner. What's God doing in your life? Why are you not allowing God to have full control of you? Is it something from your past? Is it something of your present? Say, well, you just don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what's happened to me. No, I probably don't. God does. And if you want to be used by God, if you want to be the man or woman God wants you to be, the only way it can happen is if we surrender to him and let him place us upon the wall that is connected to the cornerstone. I knew that day when I sat back there in that back pew, I knew Jesus was my cornerstone. I knew that the only way I could be a minister for the gospel, the only way I could be used by God is I had to be faithful and connected to the stone. And in his time, he was going to use me to build the wall. He wants to use you to build the wall. Are you letting him? Or is there some cracks, some dimples, some misforms in your life that you're not allowing yourself to be connected to the cornerstone? Now, when I share a story, I talk about something like this. You say, Wes, that's all good and fine and dandy, but what does the Bible say about it? 
I want to share with you what the Word of God says. Turn in your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, if you use one of those Bibles in front of you, the, the language may be a little different. I'm preaching out of the ESV. And, um, but you'll get the point if you grab one of those in front of you, if you didn't bring one. But I'm going to start in verse 1, and this is what it says. So put away all malice. Check that out. That means not to allow it to be a part of your life. It means get rid of it. It says put it away. Then the next part, next word is and. And. All deceit. He's saying, look, if you're going to be connected to this cornerstone, if you're going to be built up in this wall, you've got to remove the malice, the deceit. Deceit, the definition of that word is the action or practice of deceiving. You can't allow that to be a part of you. Next word, and hypocrisy, meaning fake, saying one thing but doing another. Not living the life you're supposed to live when you're claiming to be a Christian, but you live like hell the rest of the day. That is not what the Lord has called you to do. The next word is and, envy, and all slander. You see, there are areas that you and I have to remove out of our life if we want to be used by God. Nowhere in that verse do you see that you and I can allow a fraction of that to be there. Look at verse 2. It says, like newborn infants long for spiritual milk. You see, you say, that's something I want in my life. That's something I know I need. But I hadn't done it. Well, guess what? That's okay. The thing is, is are you willing to adjust and change to become that? And it says right here, if you're willing to change and judge, you're going to be like a baby. But the thing is, you've got to pursue the spiritual milk to start your growth and your relationship with God. It goes on to say, and by it, you may what? Grow up into your salvation. Saying, look, if you're willing to be that cornerstone, be connected to that cornerstone, if you're willing to remove those areas from your life and you start spending time with God in prayer, start spending time reading His Word, that is that spiritual milk. And you will start growing up in God. Look at the next verse. Verse 3. If indeed you have tasted. And see that first word of that verse? If. If. You see, you have a choice. You can do it or not do it. But he's saying, if you do this, if you make the choice to make this decision, if this is something you're going to allow to be a part of your life, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, See that spiritual meal? When you taste it and you realize it's good and you realize you're going to remove those areas of sin out of your life so that you can be connected to the cornerstone. You see, you can't allow 
those areas that may be wrong with those rocks that's in your life to dictate you anymore. You got to let it go. You got to surrender it. Look at verse four. As you come to him, you see, it doesn't talk about the person you right and left, your mommy, your daddy, your brother, sister, your spouse, your kids. It says you. You have the responsibility. I have the responsibility for me. You have the responsibility for you. He says right here, if you come to him, a living, it says right here, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men. Look, that's where I was, I was at. I knew I was rejected. I knew I was there. But there's a key word here. But in the sight of God's chosen and precious. It says, look, if you're connected to God in his sight, you're precious. Do you realize you have value? Many times we put ourselves down and think we're not good enough. We let Satan whisper in our ears and remind us of our failures and tell us of our shortcomings and of our mistakes. And it causes us to lose self-worth and self-confidence. And when we do that, we remove God's power and strength from us because we're not dependent on it. But you and I, and where you find yourself this morning, You are precious in his sight. Remember that. Verse 5, you yourselves like living stones. You see, you yourselves are these stones and you're living connected to the cornerstone. That's what the verse says. Living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. But you see, to be built up, to be the spiritual house you're supposed to be, you've got to be connected to the corner stone. It goes on. To be holy, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You say, Wes, I ain't going to be no preacher. Uh Uh-uh. That ain't ain't what we're talking about. Here's the thing. That priesthood is to be that servant, to be obedient, to be willing to be used by God. That is the sacrifice he desires you to make. Many times we think about sacrifice in the Bible is, is maybe killing an animal or something like that. Your sacrifice that he desires from you is obedience. Obedience. That obedience comes from allowing those areas, those flaws in your life, don't let them have control of you any longer. It goes on down here. Verse 6, our last verse. I know y'all wondering, man, is that Tim up there preaching? as long as he's going. But I didn't want y'all to feel uh, like you'd been shorted. Verse 6, for it stands in Scripture. 
Behold, I am laying in Zion. You say, well, what's Zion? It is a symbol of Jerusalem as the wall, well, as the land of Israel as a whole. Meaning, this Israel, it's God's people, it's God's area as a whole, not as separate. And it says, a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. You see, that cornerstone that was chosen, that was precious, that's Jesus. And then it goes on after the word precious, it has the word and. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. You see, I was criticized and I was kind of put to shame when I pointed out to them that was on staff at that church, this really ain't of God, what y'all doing. They didn't like it. I was honest. I knew I was fixing to get fired because I was fixing to quit. So I didn't care. You know, I'm just walking out that door. It may hit me where the good Lord split me, but I said out the door. And here's the thing. You and I had to be willing to be bold. And we have to realize that God has called us to be those living stones. But the thing is, the last part of that verse, whoever believes in him. Do you believe? I ain't talking about lip service. You can give lip service all day long. You can say whatever you want to say all day long. But actions is what speaks. Someone can tell me something. I nod my head. Yeah, okay. Show me. Because when I see it, I believe it. Here's the thing. You say, well, what if people are going to think about me? What if I'm put to shame? It says right here, the Scripture says, will not be put to shame. See, those that might have wanted to criticize me for what I said and what I believed, it didn't matter what they said. It didn't matter what they did. My faith and trust was up there, and he wasn't going to put me to shame. He was going to rise me up if I would connect to the cornerstone. Same thing with you. If this morning you'll connect to the cornerstone, he can build you up into the wall he wants you to be. I can't do it for you. No one around you can do it for you. You have to make that choice if you're going to connect to the cornerstone. Let's pray. Father, I ask right now, Lord, you would help us to be real. We would remove that mask of hypocrisy and slander and malice, deceit. You would even remove those areas that Satan wants to tell us we're not good enough. Those areas where we've allowed things to hurt us or even people hurt us. And those areas have kept us from really being everything we know you want us to be, Lord. Help us to do business with you this morning. Help us to be those living rocks you've called us to be. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I ask you to stand for our time.